This is a GRDC podcast. This year in particular, it's been really difficult to give general disease management advice because the rainfall patterns have been so patchy across the region. And so it's really coming down to growers getting out there and walking through their crops individually and basically assessing their own disease risk and disease pressure basically at their own farm level because the bloke a couple of kilometres away may have had a lot more rain than himself. Hello, I'm Sally Maguire. And that's senior plant pathologist Kurt Lindbeck from the New South Wales Department of Primary Industries at Wagga Wagga speaking about the challenges for growers when assessing disease risk this season. So what signs should growers be looking for? How is and does weather affect decision making? And what are the considerations for fungicide application? To answer these questions and hopefully a few extra ones, let's hear some more from Kurt. So Kurt, Tell us what conditions and concerns you're seeing on the ground at the moment, specifically in New South Wales and Victoria. So really, 2023, from a disease management point of view, is proving a bit of a challenge. I suppose we're coming off the back of three quite good seasons in a row where decision-making about applying foliar fungicides, for example, to manage disease, that was a pretty easy decision because you knew that virtually every case you were going to get your money back. Whereas this season, of course, with the talk of El Nino conditions, I think a lot of people are approaching disease management this season with a little bit of caution, I suppose. But the problem is we're coming off the back of three good seasons with high background disease inoculum levels in our farming systems. And in some cases, we're still seeing quite regular rainfall events coming through. We're still seeing disease conducive conditions in a lot of our cropping regions and districts. So in some degrees, that concern about disease management is still there and it's completely justified. And of course, with that, do I or don't I apply a foliar fungicide this coming spring and be guaranteed an economic return? But getting back to your original question, we are seeing signs of disease development in our crops as per normal, to be honest. The disease risk, I should say, for 2023 is probably as high as it has been for the last couple of years. So let's start talking about particular crops. For the canola growers out there, what are the main diseases? Of course, the main two diseases we're talking about there are black leg and sclerotinia. Many of your listeners out there would know that they are the two most economically important diseases that affect canola production, certainly in New South Wales and Victoria in the eastern states. And again, coming off three good seasons in a row, we know that the background inoculum levels for both these diseases is quite high. Certainly in the case of sclerotinia, for example, we saw sclerotinia development over the last three seasons, probably in districts where we don't normally see the disease. But we know that the sclerotia produced by the sclerotinia fungus, so these are the little hard black survival structures of the pathogen, do survive in our soils for at least up to five years. And I've probably spoken in the past at many GRDC updates and meetings about the legacy effect of sclerotinia or at least of a bad sclerotinia outbreak. So really moving forward for this season, that legacy effect is certainly there. And again, it's probably hard to give generalised disease advice this season because rainfall patterns have been quite variable across the region. But suffice to say, both those diseases are starting to appear in crops in some regions. I've had reports of a black leg certainly out and about and developing in a lot of commercial crops. And we're already starting to see the apothecial fruiting structures of sclerotinia starting to appear in commercial crops. And a limited amount of petal testing that I've conducted as part of a sclerotinia project is sort of suggesting that petal infection levels are as high as ever. I hear what you're saying about advice, but given that, how can growers assess whether their crop is at a high risk of these diseases? 
That's a good question, Sally. So certainly we'll start off with the easier of the two. Blackleg is reasonably straightforward in that we are looking for symptoms. So this time of year, growers and agronomists should be going out into their crops and assessing their crops for leaf lesion and symptoms of upper canopy infection. So by that, we're looking for infections occurring on flowers. We're looking for flower abortion. We're looking for lesion development on the raceme, which is the main flowering spike of canola. So we're really looking for movement of the blackleg fungus up the crop canopy as the canopy develops. And that's the main warning sign that blackleg upper canopy development is likely to occur. We can actually see the symptoms starting to develop within our crops. With sclerotinia, it's a little bit harder because a lot of your listeners would know that decision-making and symptom development for sclerotinia isn't always quite as clear. And certainly by the time we start to see symptoms of sclerotinia developing in our commercial crops, the train has basically left the station. And so unfortunately, it's one of those challenging diseases where decision-making about whether or not to apply a foliar fungicide has to be made early before symptom development. So really, growers of canola out there should be assessing, okay, what is my likely disease risk? And the two main things to consider here is the previous or the frequency of canola and certainly lupin grown in that paddock over the last five years, but also has sclerotinia developed in that paddock over the last five years as well. Because again, as I mentioned before, we had that legacy effect of the sclerotia. And so, for example, if you're a canola producer, say at Juni, and you have a paddock that grew canola, say in 2020, you had a sclerotinia outbreak in that particular year, you know that there was a reasonable amount of disease did develop in that paddock. This particular season, if you're growing canola back in that paddock again, you would be treating that with a reasonable amount of caution and perhaps putting a foliar fungicide out because of that legacy effect in that background inoculum level. So you mentioned current conditions earlier, but what are those seasonal pointers that growers should be looking out for? This time of year, really the main thing, Sally, would be rainfall patterns. And this is part of the challenge is that, again, as I alluded to earlier, we keep having El Nino mentioned to us across the board. And, you know, we normally associate El Nino years as below our average rainfall. And look, that's certainly the case in a lot of districts. But what we're seeing this year, though, and this is part of the challenge, is that we're seeing rainfall fronts come through the southern states and eastern states virtually on a weekly basis. And they are dropping rain, but it's only, you know, one, two, three, five mils at a time. The challenge is that that still produces crop canopy wetness that is enough to favour disease development in a lot of our crops. And so what we're looking for really is that combination of rainfall patterns coming through your particular district or your region. What growth stage is your crop at? Is it entering the susceptible phase? So for example, if you're managing sclerotinia in canola, is my crop coming into flower? Should I be considering a foliar fungicide application at 20 to 30% bloom? And the other thing is, That combination of environmental conditions, the crop growth stage, but also that previous paddock history that I spoke of and is my paddock at high disease risk or not. So I suppose if you're considering a fungicide application to canola, as I mentioned before, your target diseases would be sclerotinia, but also upper canopy infection with blackleg. And the good news is that that application of foliar fungicide at that 20 to 30% bloom stage, primarily targeting sclerotinia, we know that that's also highly effective at managing the upper canopy form of blackleg as well. So you're really hitting two birds with the one stone, which often makes the decision-making around do I apply a foliar fungicide or not a little bit easier, knowing that you get that multiple disease management, not only with a single product, with the range of products available out there, but also with that timing as well. It just makes that decision-making process that little bit easier. And really, to be honest, 
Growers have never had a greater suite of fungicide products available to them as they do at the moment. There's quite a range of products out there, each offering a range of protection periods for the products. But the main thing is don't get too hung up on the choice of product. Often it's all about timing. And in the case of these diseases now that we're talking about, black leading sclerotinia, canopy penetration is very important. So making sure that the canopy is reasonably open to get that product down onto the lower stems and leaves, which are potential infection sites later in the season, but also getting good coverage as well. So we're talking about high water rates of at least 100 litres per hectare, preferably with a ground rig to really blow that product down into the canopy and get good coverage. Well, let's move on to pulses. What are the disease issues that you're seeing develop with pulses at the moment? Coming towards the end of August and pulses are starting to move and I suppose start to grow a bit more. I'm sure many of your listeners out there would know that pulses tend to be quite slow growers over the winter months, but now that the days are starting to get a little bit longer, the temperatures are slowly warming up, we are starting to see our crops develop. So really the diseases that I'm hearing of at the moment are chocolate spot disease in faba bean. Generally this time of year, this is where we start to see early symptom development. Also ascochyta diseases, so not only in chickpea but also in philpea as well. But the other one that's rearing its head in some isolated cases is symptoms of early virus infection in lupin. And just in the last probably two weeks, I've received quite a few samples here at the diagnostic lab at Wagga Wagga of narrowleaf lupins with symptoms of bean yellow mosaic virus. And that's not always a disease that we commonly see this time of season. But what that's indicating is that we had obviously a fair amount of aphid activity earlier in the season when these crops were probably being sown or shortly after emerging. And that's now expressing itself as premature plant death and those typical virus symptoms of bunchy growth and poor plant development, plant stunting, and in some cases, flower abortion as well. So again, we have diagnostic labs both here at Wagga Wagga and at Tamworth where growers and agronomists can send in plant samples for correct diagnosis. Sounds like there's a lot going on out there. Let's just summarise, what are your key messages for northern growers right now? Key messages for northern growers, what they should be looking for, certainly with pulse diseases, would be walking through their crops. With faba bean, you'd be looking at early symptoms of chocolate spot development because now is the time when you get those canopy closure sprays out, which then set the crop up for the rest of the season. So it's important to get those pre-canopy closure sprays out to get that product down into the lower crop canopy and stop that chocolate spot disease from developing, which can be a headache then for the rest of the season. You'd also be walking through chickpea crops, starting to look for patches of ascochai development. Now that the chickpeas would be starting to grow, now would be time that any seed-borne infection that may be out there would be starting to express itself as patches of dead plants within the crop canopy. And it's pretty important because both these diseases in particular have the ability to spread and establish quite quickly within a crop. And so you'd be wanting to move on those quite quickly, I suppose. And again, with regards to disease management impulses, the suite of fungicides, foliar fungicides available has never been greater for producers. And there's some really good products out there, a lot of semi-systemic products out there now, which really have high levels of efficacy. But having said that, the older chemistries that have been on the market for 25 years plus are still very good. And I would recommend using a mixture, not mixing them together, but certainly mixing the applications of the older and newer chemistries, basically rotating them and using a variety of actives against some of these diseases. This season really is a little bit of same-same, but it is different in as much as we are seeing those regular rainfall events come through very similar to last year, but we're not seeing the total amounts of rain being quite as high as last year, but we are still seeing those potentially long periods of leaf wetness in our crops in some districts. The fact that we are coming off the back of high disease levels over the past three years, and there's no doubt that we are seeing a legacy effect at the moment of that carryover of inoculum on stubbles, in some cases in our soils, which are impacting on crop growth this year. 
and disease development within our crop. And really, one of the key things that listeners should be doing right now across all their crops, not just pulses and oil seeds, but also their cereals as well, is get out there and walk through them on a regular basis and scout for disease symptoms. Don't think that driving past a crop at 60 kilometres an hour is a crop inspection. I would recommend you get out and you walk through crops, you part the crop canopy, and you really want to get a feel for what diseases are developing, where they're developing, and are they moving? And that's pretty important. So it may be a case of getting out this time of year, walking through your crops on a weekly or every seven to 10 days, and basically looking for, okay, are the leaf lesions, for example, a black leg moving in my canola crop? Am I seeing chocolate spot lesions starting to coalesce and spread within my faba bean crop? And that gives you an indication of whether the disease is active or not. And that's pretty important. And then that allows you to make a foliar fungicide decision then with a fair amount of certainty that, yes, I'm now striking while the disease is starting to develop and I have the opportunity then to basically nip it in the bud. And Kurt, GRDC has many investments in the disease management space. Tell us about some of those. Absolutely. So I'm involved with a couple of quite exciting projects at the moment, co-invested between GRDC and New South Wales DPI. So we have a diagnostics and surveillance project, which is headed by Steve Simpendorfer at Tamworth. And basically, some of your listeners out there may be aware of this already and probably have had their crops sampled. But there's a team of us, both based in Wagga and Tamworth, who are starting to travel around the district and randomly sample a lot of commercial crops for diseases, disease development. And we've been doing that now for seven years in a row. And what we're trying to do is get a real feel for what are the problem diseases occurring in our crops out there and what are the seasonal impacts of diseases on our crops. And we're starting to really build up a nice bank of information now about what's occurring in our commercial paddocks. The other project that we're quite excited about, which is led out of Wagga, is a national sclerotinia management project. So in the past here in Wagga, we did a lot of work on managing sclerotinia and developing managing sclerotinia management strategies for sclerotinia in canola. But we're now heading up a project looking at managing sclerotinia in pulse crops as well. So we have collaborators in South Australia, Victoria, northern New South Wales, Tamworth and in southern Queensland. And we're actually developing sclerotinia management strategies across the cropping system. So rather than look at each of these crops individually and coming up with suggestions on how you can manage the disease, we're actually looking at the impact of sclerotinia across multiple crops. We're also looking at the interaction between grain legume crops, developing sclerotinia and impacts on canola. And I think that's pretty exciting that hopefully we'll come out at the end of this four-year project with some pretty sound advice that growers can implement, that agronomists can implement, and looking at decreasing the impact of sclerotinia across the suite of broadleaf crops that they have in their rotation and approach it with a more holistic view. That was senior plant pathologist Kurt Lindbeck from the New South Wales Department of Primary Industries. And as Kurt mentioned, the DPI runs a crop diagnostic service out of Tamworth and Wagga Wagga, which also extends to providing advice for growers. You can find details on this resource on their website, dpi.nsw.gov.au. I'm Sally Maguire. This has been a GRDC podcast. Thanks for listening.